Well, how is this for a motivational, inspirational speech from St. Paul himself? Consider your own calling, brothers and sisters. Okay, we're off to a good start so far. You're called. You're chosen. God drew you here to this church today. Think about that. Consider your own calling, brothers and sisters. And then he goes on to say this. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. He could have gone on and on. Not many of you were smart. Not many of you had a whole lot of influence or talent or skill. Not many of you had a lot to offer at all. You're not all that impressive. Are you feeling inspired yet? Wow. But really, what a beautiful gift this is, that we're not very impressive after all. We human beings, mere mortals, we're dust. We're practically nothing. And that is actually a gigantic gift. Because then St. Paul reveals the heart of his message. God chose the lowly and the despised of the world, those who count for nothing, to reduce to nothing those who are something. God chose the unimpressive to shame the impressive so that no human being might boast before God. The early church understood this as counterintuitive as it may seem to us. They knew that it was actually to their advantage that they were not very impressive at all, that they had practically nothing going for them. There's this book out there that I really like. It's by Monsignor James Shea, and it's called From Christendom to Apostolic Mission. And it's a really powerful little book. If you've never heard of it before, I recommend it. And the basic idea of this book is this. There are two modes that the church operates from. There's Christendom mode on the one hand and apostolic mode on the other. And what Monsignor Shea meant by Christendom mode is those times in the church's history when it's really well established, when we have all of our institutions built up and stabilized, hospitals and universities and charity organizations, when we have real political influence, when we have most of the people in a given culture at least professing to be believers when we have plenty of money and plenty of resources at our fingertips, when the general worldview, the assumed cultural perspective, is predominantly Catholic. That's the Christendom mode. And the church has enjoyed living that way for a good portion, at least, of her existence. But it wasn't always like that. At the very beginning... The church had to operate from what Monsignor Shea calls an apostolic mode. And here's what they had at the beginning. Trust me, it's not impressive at all. Bishops, they had 11. Priests, the same number. Deacons, sorry, Deacon Francis, none. Trained theologians, none. Religious orders, none. Seminarians, how many seminarians did the apostles have on their seminarian poster? None. 
How many seminaries did they have where they might train future seminarians? None. Christian believers. How many Christian believers were there in the entire world? A few hundred? Countries with Christians in them? One. Church buildings? None. Schools and universities? None. Written gospels? None. Money? Very little. Experience in foreign missions? Jesus said, go, make disciples of all the nations. Did they have experience doing that? No. Influential contacts in high places, did they have them? Not many, if any. Societal attitude towards the church. Well, it was either ignorant, they had no idea what these guys were about, or they were straight up hostile to the church and her proclamation. Martyrdom was pretty much to be expected. So when you put it all down on paper like that, we can all see very quickly that that is not impressive. And yet, from that very unimpressive place, the apostles and the first disciples boasted in the Lord. They boasted in their weakness. They were confident, and they were full of joy. They could go out there and be glad that they had nothing that they were not impressive. Because then, from that place of great poverty, they could see very, very clearly that anything that they accomplished was God's work. It was so obviously not them. It was so painfully clear that it was the Holy Spirit working through them. It had to be God. That's where we're at right now. That's where we are as a church. We are entering back in to an apostolic age. We're in the transition moment right now. Christendom, as we used to know it, is crumbling. We're moving into a different sort of age. An age where Christianity is very obviously not the predominant worldview. And so the methods that used to work aren't really working anymore. Institutions that we used to rely on are just going to have to think and operate in different ways. Things that we just could, could have sort of assumed would happen before are not necessarily happening automatically anymore. Of course people are going to come back to baptize their babies. Well, maybe not. Of course young couples are going to be married in the church rather than at the barn down the street. That's not automatic either, right? Of course, all of, all of this is just going to keep on going on and on and on. We're on cruise control, right? Just come to us. We will provide all of your religious needs if you come here and come to us, right? It's not how it's going to work. That's not the game anymore. The game is apostolic. So what that means for us is that we got to go out there. We can't just expect people to show up here. We can't just pop in the DVD series and say, hey, come to our awesome program here at church and learn something about God. We actually need to go out there into ordinary people's lives and, yeah, maybe be a little bit unimpressive at times, but then we can, from that place of poverty, allow God to work through us just like those first apostles and disciples. That's amazing. 
what an amazing time to be Catholic. Because how are we going to accomplish that mission? Who's going to do that? I'm looking at them. I'm looking at them right now. You are. You. In our first reading from the prophet Zephaniah, we heard that God is keeping and preserving a remnant. A remnant that is humble and lowly, seeking God. That's you. You are that apostolic remnant. And and I believe that God is going to use all of you, each of you, in ways that you don't even know right now. You can't even imagine. Little ways. Humble ways. Powerful ways. Beautiful ways in, in the people's lives that you already come into contact with on a daily basis. You don't even have to go that far. You are going to bring the people in your life, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, maybe at this point, you want to throw up your hands and say, well, but Father, I don't have a theology degree. I'm not qualified. I don't have any training in this area at all, and I don't even know what I'm doing. If that's you, then good. That's what I got to say. Good. Because now you know, you just heard it in that second reading tonight, Now you know, as St. Paul told us, that God chose the foolish of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak of the world to shame the strong. He chose the unimpressive instruments, the people without theology degrees, to go on and get out there and make our faith believable to the entire world. And that's really freeing, I think. It's really liberating once we realize that we don't have to be impressive. We don't have to pretend and perform. I don't have to be something that I'm not. I can just be myself, get close to God, grow in faith through the sacraments and through Scripture, make room for the Holy Spirit to do His work, and that itself will transform the world around me. Sherry Waddell in her book, Fruitful Discipleship, said this, There's no such thing as missional unemployment for the baptized. Nobody, nobody in this church right now, nobody in any single pew is unemployed in the church, in the kingdom of God. Now, not all of you volunteer at St. Bede, maybe. Not all of you work over in the parish office, right? Not all of you are serving as lectors. Not all of you are extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion. Not all of you will perform those kinds of visible roles, but none of you is unemployed. We need all of you out there in the world being Christians. I'm not interested in the slightest of making all of you volunteers. Because our goal as a parish is not to make everyone here into professional church people. That would be a horrible thing, right? If what it meant to be an amazing and active Catholic disciple was that just that you would volunteer at church all the time. As beautiful as those roles are, and as necessary as they are, If that is the absolute height of what it means to be a Catholic, 
Well, then only a few select few are supposed to be all that very religious. Only a few of us are called to be holy if that's true. And we know that that's not true. For most of you then, God is calling you to be out there, to be unapologetically Catholic in your office, to be Catholic out there in the restaurant you go to after Mass tonight, to be Catholic in your school that you're a student at, to be Catholic in the living room where your family gathers or at the family dinner table. God is calling you to be Catholic maybe in that sports league that you're a part of or the trivia night that you go to with your friends or the bridge club that you are a part of. The Lord is asking you and inviting you and calling you maybe as unimpressive and unqualified as you you think you are to be a Catholic precisely there, wherever you may be, to radiate your Catholic identity. And what's the game plan? The Beatitudes. That's what we're going to radiate. God is calling us all to be poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus says. Blessed are those who are completely and utterly dependent on God in every aspect of their life. Blessed are those who mourn, who weep with those who weep, but with that firm hope and courage of a Christian. Blessed are those who are meek, who know what they are about, who are humble and lowly and obedient. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who desire justice in our world, who who desire a person's wholeness and healing, both body and soul. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy, to be mercy for the people in your life, to forgive and to allow others to forgive you. Blessed are the pure of heart, to strive sincerely to desire the good, the true, and the beautiful at all times and in all ways. Blessed are the peacemakers. How blessed are those who are working really, really hard to alleviate and mitigate all of that anger and bitterness and division and discouragement that is so oppressive and heavy in our world today. Blessed are you who are willing to be persecuted, willing to be hated, we got to be willing to be hated. If we're not willing to be hated today, then we're not willing to be Christian. Blessed are you who are willing to be persecuted and hated and insulted for the sake of your faith, your relationship with Jesus. Your reward will be great in heaven. That's the game plan, to radiate the Beatitudes. And so wherever you are, whoever you're friends with, whoever you have a relationship with, that is your apostolic mission field. Pope Pius XII said that the laity, you, the lay faithful, are the front line of the church's life. You're the front line. I can't do this without you guys as the front line. Some people think that the priests are the front line. We're not. You are. And so go out there 
come here to be fed and nourished by the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, and then go back out. And then come back to worship and be nourished again. And then go back out, right? Gather in the nations. Go. Go and be apostolic. Radiate the Beatitudes. It's time to go and be the front line of the church.